Who's ready for a contest? It's that time again. In fact, this contest is going to run all the way up until Thanksgiving, where you're looking at November 1st through November 17th. The deadline is November 18th. You need to join the podcast contest by the 18th to get put in. I don't care if you are a practitioner or not. All you have to do is leave a review on the podcast, subscribe to it, and then tell us you did that with the form inside the show notes below. I would love it if you also share it on social media too. That's a big help for us to reach other ears so more people can learn from this podcast just as you are doing. So once again, to get inside the podcast contest, you need to subscribe to it if you already haven't, leave a review, and then check the link in the show notes and that will tell you how to give us your information so we know you did it and then also for us to reach out to you. Now here are the winners. Out of everybody, we're going to give away not five, not 10, but 15 signed copies of my book. From anybody who joins, we will be drawing 15 names. So you're going to need to leave your name, your email address, and your shipping address inside that contact information on our form below. You can find that form in the show notes. If you are a practitioner, you have a special grand prize available to you. Our next and final Master Bloodwork live event, like final as in possibly ever, final live event, is on December 13th. It is a Tuesday. Now there's going to be something special with this. We're going to do the live event where I teach you all of the blood work in four and a half hours on December 13th from 1 to 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Set your date aside, mark your calendars, block off your schedule, no patients during that time. Same time next day, December 14th. We're going to spend it two hours on a special Q&A session at the same time. Then we'll take a 30 minute break. And then we're going to do something special, which I've never done before and I'm excited to do. We're going to together map out our 2023 plan. December 14th, that second two-hour session. So December 13th and December 14th from 1 to 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Block off the date. There will be one grand prize winner from this podcast contest who will get to join for free. It'll probably be... 1200 bucks because of the brand new portion, which I'm excited about. You're going to get that just like the regular, regular price of this master blood work event. And again, this is the last time it's being ran live. So come join us December 13th and 14th to block off the date. You'll get the registration link soon until then join the podcast contest. Let's make sure more ears can hear this. And just, you never know, maybe you will be the grand prize winner. Maybe a book, a signed copy of my book will show up on your doorstep. If you haven't grabbed my book yet, go grab it. It's on Amazon. Why are my labs normal is the title. It'll teach you everything you need to know about blood work and more. All right. If you haven't started using or are using systemic formulas, you need to. Don't get their supplements from Amazon. They are counterfeit as are many other of this quality. 
Grab them at systemicformulas.com and check out mybiome.com, M-Y-B-Y-O-M-E. And let's get this party started. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. I have a very special international friend on with me today, Maddie Lansdowne. He hosts a big time podcast called How to Not Get Sick and Die. Um, But today we're going to have a conversation that might open up some ears and give some special different thinking to a hot topic. So uh, Maddie, welcome on. Thanks, Kylie. How have you been? So good. So good. It's, you know, dead of summer here. It's probably dead of winter where you are, but does it ever get winter? Well, I mean, you know, we're all conditioned to our environment. Snow to me is winter. That's what means winter. (laughs) Well, right now my computer says that it's five degrees. And for me, that's ridiculously cold. (laughs) Yes, that is cold. (laughs) So Maddie is from Australia. So if you are from Australia, good old Aussie land. Uh, We were going over some of the changes that Australia has experienced. And I've kind of stayed tuned to this, especially the last two years, because I'm a big tennis freako. And when the Australian Open happens, happened, uh, the number one player in the world was not allowed in because of the regulations. So let's talk about vaccines, Maddie, and let's talk about your history and your experience on all aspects of the vaccine world. Yeah, sure. So um, it's been a few years, but I worked as a vaccine formulation scientist for, um, for a year. Uh, and in the beginning of my scientific career when I was young and, you know, naive about the world of medicine and science. And, um, you know, I thought I was doing amazing work and doing great things. And because um, Melbourne actually produces uh, 70 to 80 percent of the world's flu vaccines. Um, we've got oh. a huge uh, vaccine for, uh, facility. And on the same site, they also produce almost 100 percent of the world's antivenoms. Um, so it all happens on the same location. And I remember how excruciating it was to, to, um, start working there because we had to, a new team was hired, um, and we had to sit in a room and just read SOPs for three weeks straight before we were even allowed in the facility, um, and just sign every single SOP, like standard operating procedures. Like, you know, when you start a new job and you got to understand how they operate and, like some people quit during that, that three weeks that they hated it. Um, but anyway, yeah, there was just so much paperwork in order to even walk in the front door. Um, and then, yeah, I was just a part of the, the team and, and I learned about how vaccines are created, a little bit of vaccine history. Um, and the interesting thing that sort of this, this moment possibly begun my um, dive down the rabbit hole to where I am today but the professors that were working in the labs with us um, didn't have the flu vaccine each year. And I was, like, I was like 22 at this point, right? So I'm just like, that's weird. Well, I wouldn't got my free flu vaccine. Like, that's a bit strange. You know. the, the only, the people who are in charge of creating the things won't get them. Yeah. Like, oh, I love it. Mind-blowing, right? Um, and so I was just super confused. Um, and, and remember at this point, like I was very much like medicine is the greatest thing ever. You know, the whole world has got all of these amazing hospitals and technology and drugs. And I didn't think that anything bad was, you know, coming from medicine and it's not all bad, obviously, but you know, just, you were um, like in my shoes. Cause 
when I got introduced to chiropractic, I had no idea what the heck that even was. Mm-hmm. I had no idea functional medicine, herbs, like when we got sick, we just went and got an antibiotic. So that was the thing to do. So mm-hmm. this world was so foreign to me. I honestly had no idea it even existed. Mm-hmm. And then I got into it. I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> Wait a second. I remember the first time someone said, you should, you know, be careful about the CDC recommendations for vaccine schedule. I'm like, well, why? Why do you need to be careful? You know, they have our interests and their in their best needs, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, Not and, what I think now, but... Well, the same for me, it's right? It's a journey. Yeah. yeah. Like, I used to work there, and then, you know, we were talking before, it got to the point where me talking about some of this stuff is what likely led to me being deplatformed um, from Instagram um, because of how I feel about those things now. And I think, you know, it's concerning to know in any country that there is, um, you know, in Australia it was in 1986 that they brought in the um, pharmaceutical immunity legislation, which protects pharmaceutical companies from being sued for vaccines. Um, And and it's very, very difficult. In order to to sue someone for an adverse event, you've got to sue the government first um, and challenge the legislation they put in place. And nobody has the money to do that. Like, Nobody has the money to fight against someone that can print money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and, you know, if you if you had a car and you got a, got a car, a new car, and within days or weeks or even years, you're on the highway, had a crash, the seatbelt failed, you would instantly go back to the manufacturer and be like, what went wrong here? Why did this happen? You know, how can it be prevented in future? Um, and the fact that you're not allowed to do that in the vaccine industry, just that alone should be massive red flags for everybody. I remember when I learned that same thing here in, in the States, mm-hmm. it is so difficult to see any recourse or get any compensation mm-hmm. for a vaccine industry or a vaccine, um, what, what would we call it? Mistake or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And to even talk about mentioning what people will say, well, no, it wasn't the vaccine, you know, yeah. there's no way it could possibly have been that. And even I'll say something and I, my first response that people get, well, they, they had to remove that research Vac- vaccines don't cause autism. Okay. Well, why was the research removed? Yeah. You no. Know, did somebody hold a gun? I'm serious when I ask this question. Yeah. Did somebody hold a gun at gunpoint and say, take that off or, you know, change your statistics or change your, the results of it, whatever it was. So again, this was a whole new concept to me. And I remember my first having my first little boy, my first child, and we were supposed to take him in for the, you know, the regular wellness checkups. And Mm -hmm. I love my doctor. We know him very well. And I was just telling my husband, like the night before, and I can't, Andrew, I can't do this. There's something so wrong about this. I can't do it. And he's like, well, then stick with your gut. So we went in, um, because I wanted to make sure he's growing, you know, two weeks old going well but i haven't gone back since Shh. <laughs> and well, it's because think... the, the whole reason for wellness checkup is to get their vaccines yeah well there's, there's actual research that mentions that yeah okay and there's actual research that says that the vaccine schedule um for kids in and this is old research so it's you know, the narrative's possibly changed, but um, that says that the vaccine schedule in the beginning is to condition families and children to regularly showing up to a hospital or a doctor's clinic to, to, to embed that in 
their behavior in response to, you know, any little cough or any type of, you know, unwell event. Um, and, and that's like, you know, a psychological component of the conditioning of society to, you know, what? feel normal in doctor's clinics. Yeah, I read it. I read that years ago. It's, it's old research from like the 70s maybe, but because um, the flu vaccine's been around for about 77 years. Like it's been around for yeah. a while. <laughs> I know growing up with teenage years, I got, I got bronchitis and asthma and, and pneumonia. And so the flu was just a thing that was natural for us. Even in college, yeah. my nurse would save the, a flu vaccine for me when I came home for the weekend. She'd come to the house mm-hmm. and, and give it. So it was just totally, it was standard of care yeah. from growing up. Um, and it's nothing wrong about it. It's just, that's what we knew. So that's what we did. And then you start hearing about you and other practitioners who are getting kicked off um, social media platforms and mm-hmm. getting shut up on Twitter or whatever it is. You're having to say to yourself, wait a second, there's, there's more to this. This isn't just about my health and my safety. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm in, I'm in groups on Telegram. I've signed, you know, disclaimers in regards to stuff that I'm involved with, which has thousands of doctors, thousands of scientists from all over the world. Like it's not just a couple of hippies, you know what I mean? It's, it's monstrous numbers of medical professionals. And the big red flag for me is because, you know, I worked on vaccines for a year of my life and I, and that probably qualifies me to understand the stuff more than 99% of the people in the world. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that really, really scares me is when you have um, vaccine scientists that have been doing it for 40 years, their entire career, they put their whole life, their whole livelihood, their family on the line. And what I really mean on the line, when you like, when you're up against, you're calling out pharmaceutical companies, some really dark stuff can happen. Um, when they're like, you know what, I've been doing this job for 40 years and I'm saying this is concerning, I've read the research, I've been a part of some of this stuff, do not do it. Uh, that's terrifying to me. It's like there couldn't be somebody that's more an expert in this field that's saying don't do it. <laughs> Which is why Joe Rogan's podcast had such issues because heaven forbid somebody come in and with that background yeah, and, yeah. and oppose the narrative that they want and told. Well, I think one of the issues, we've got the internet now, so we can get different opinions out in the marketplace of, you know, topics, you know, that are on the internet. But because the background pre-internet and early internet days was that nobody really knew that this legislation to silence everybody came in in the 80s, is that there's been a couple of decades of people not communicating really publicly about problems, adverse events, deaths, that it's become a, like, almost like a pseudo-religion. Like if you mention anything that's like anti-vaccine, you're an anti-vaxxer and you're a hippie and you're yes. a weirdo that believes in conspiracy uh-huh. theories. And I think that's simply because they were silenced from the mid-80s onwards. Um, and behind the scenes, though, as we know with, um, oh, what's his name, the Kennedy son, um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he's like the, one of the world's biggest vaccine scientists. Um, and he's got a huge profile because obviously <laughs> his dad was John F. Kennedy. Um, and he is responsible for those monstrous fines that um, you know many of those organizations have had to pay. He actively chases those companies down to, ch- to punish them. So even though behind the scenes, those things are happening again, it's all in silence and secrets because of this legislation. So even if somebody did get a payout, you wouldn't know about it. And, and by your experience and your research and your knowledge, what's the payout total been at this point? Do you know? Oh, it's multiple billions. 
It's huge. And it's never in the media. It's like, yeah. why is uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard? So why do we have to follow their story? There, when There's really stuff going on that we really need to know, but let's cover that all up. Totally. Yeah, it's a... It's a rabbit hole. And the, and the truth is, is that, you know, if anybody feels a reaction to this information within themselves or feels triggered, you just you don't have to go far on Google. Use DuckDuckGo instead of Google because Google's highly censored. Um, yeah, it doesn't take long to find this information. And it's it's in public records. Like, you can you find it quite easily. Um, and mm. it's just the fact that nobody goes looking for it and the people that inform us also have never gone looking for it. They were just regurgitating what they were told to tell us. Yeah. Yep. Duck, duck, go. I didn't know that was, I've seen billboards, but I didn't know that's was an actual search engine. Yeah. It's a search engine. Yeah. Um, okay. So you were in the vaccine industry for a year. You got out. Mm -hmm. Tell us that story. Yeah. So I got out just because I wanted to do something more interesting, basically. So it wasn't like a huge act of rebellion at that point, but it definitely triggered that initial curiosity to, be confused because ironically my mum runs an immunization clinic um so <laughs> that is funny yeah right um and so I was just kind of like you know grew up knowing that we could just get mum to give us our vaccines to travel and you know in the years probably in the year or two after that I got a bunch of vaccines to travel um you know in my early 20s and yeah it was just like of course this is okay my mum's a nurse she's a lecturer at a hospital like I'm uh, sorry, to uni, and it, I was just like, you know, not asking questions. But that was the beginning, and then then I moved into um, a company that did nutritional epigenetics, uh, which was super cool, working with athletes and customizing uh, nutritional uh, like powders specific to their um, epigenetic metabolism profile, which was really cool, um, and just trying to get the most out of their their metabolism basically. Uh, and then from there, I ended up working in a cancer hospital for about seven years, which which was the rest of me waking up. <laughs> what what happened there? Well, when you say the rest of me waking up. Please do share. <laughs> like everyone's like, listen to this hippie. Um, so no, there's so, a lot more of us than we think. We just have to keep our mouth shut because again, we get shut down on. Yeah. Instagram. But well, on the podcast, feel free to say whatever you want. Totally. And, and maybe like it's the opposite, you know, we just need to all talk more and be like, oh, there's more people like me out there. And I had a lot of people reach out on social media um, that were like, you know, thanks for having the courage to say something because I feel exactly the same. Even colleagues in the beginning of this and, and Melbourne was like the most locked down mandated city in the world where I am now. In the beginning, people thought I was crazy. I literally quit my job at the hospital because I said, in a year, this is going to be about vaccine mandates and forced vaccination. And my colleagues laughed at me. The doctors, professors, everybody laughed. They're like, this is Australia. That won't happen. And then a year later, it happened. Um, the and then, worst in the entire world. Yeah, totally. And, and I even had a few friends... Um, that were nurses that were working on COVID wards um, that were, you know, thought I was a crazy idiot, basically. And then a year later, I heard from two of them. Um, and they basically were like, Maddie, you know what? I think you're right. We've been in these wards for like 18 months at this point, And, you know, it's not as crazy. We're not overrun. The hospital is actually really quiet. It has been the whole time. Um, and it was when I was there. So I was there for the first year, 2020. And the, um, <laughs> a, a fellow doctor and I, um, who both no longer work at the hospital, um, we were essentially walking through the emergency department doing Facebook Lives <laughs> because the news was was 
there in the day filming being like overrun and they were like getting people to lie in beds so it looked busy um and then we would do facebook lives to be like so there's literally nobody here this is the quietest we've ever seen it my professor said it's the quietest he's ever seen it in 35 years um and that was the first year 2020 and so actually <laughs> that led to me getting a call from hr and my doctor friend um being I'm threatened sure. with a $60,000 <laughs> fine um so, and he had to deregister as a doctor to avoid paying that fine um, because we did Facebook Lives basically proving that the news narrative was wrong. <laughs> they made him like basically revoke his license. Well, he chose to do that so that he didn't have to well, yeah. the fine. Yeah. But it was either that or they're going to force yeah. him yep. to pay. Oh my gosh. So, so that was fun. But anyway, working at the. Um, the cancer hospital. At least so, you had a partner in crime. It wasn't yeah. just like you were solo acting. You were actually doing it with someone together. Yeah, well, there was a few of us in the hospital, but not everybody had the courage um, to, you know, because people have got mortgages and people have got families and kids to feed. And, and I don't have a mortgage and I don't have kids. And so I went to, I've been to about 26 protests at this point. I've been arrested just simply for being at a protest. I sued Victoria Police for $3.4 million. Um, I didn't get the money, but I represented myself in all five cases and won. Um, so, like, if you stand up, do the homework, you know, it's actually easier than it sounds to win uh, because this stuff is illegal. A lot of this stuff is illegal. Um, it's just, you know, you are to put in the man hours to learn how the law works, <laughs> which is, you know, again, I've got the time to be able to do that. Well, the time, but you also... One, you're an entrepreneur, so you dare to break free of the system. And two, you have the scientific background yeah, to know that this is more than just, quote, keeping us healthy. Oh, absolutely. Well, part of my evidence that I took into court and submitted to the court, which is now, you know, in court for anybody to leverage on new, new cases, was freedom of information from the TGA. So the TGA is the Australian equivalent of the FDA. Um, mm -hmm. And so... It literally, I literally have freedom of information stuff with a TGA signed by their CEO that says we can't identify COVID, we, we can't pull it out of a PCR, we, we don't know where we would find it if we weren't looking for it. Like I've got a bunch of this information that I submitted to the courts because I, I didn't just say I shouldn't have been arrested. I said I went all layers of the system. I even put in their criminal charges against our premier. Like, and so it was hectic. Like. Whenever my friends... You haven't been kicked out of the country yet? <laughs> well, I was a part of a group of people that were doing it. So, you know, everybody was sort of coming at all angles. Um, and every single one of us won. Like, because these, you know, it's like the, the media and the news is masquerading as the law. And it's like, actually, if we pull the law books out, none of that stuff's allowed to be enforced. Okay, I, I want to know what you know. And I want you to share everything you know about the last two years, because I guarantee you and I are on the same page. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Well, I guess I guess I, I also want to be careful with the words I know, because a lot like I'm aware that it's possible that I don't know. And it's, I'm aware as well that I might have a bias within myself to, you know, believe that it's all bad and evil. And so. I really want to acknowledge that bias because I think we all have it to some degree. And the reality is, do I know? No, I'm not. I wasn't in China. I wasn't in the labs. I wasn't hanging out with Fauci, having these conversations. So do I know? I, I don't. 
but do I have, you know, can I add up an equation like one plus one plus one and does it equal three? Well, I think so, <laughs> you know. Um, so I guess for me, what was really concerning is in the beginning, I was totally on board. Like, you know, March last, or March 2020, I fully put up a, um, a, a video on my social media, which got 800 shares where I was explaining what a virus is, foods that you can eat and different things you can do. Um, and I was really did this. It was like 40 minutes. It was really thorough. It got shared everywhere, everywhere that I ended up two weeks later deleting um, because I was like, oh, I've been tricked here. <laughs> um, and I guess, yeah, for me, it just didn't make much sense that, um, you know, a pandemic. Well, firstly, if we go back to 2008, I think it was, they changed the definition of pandemic, um, you know, over a decade ago um, to basically be a standard flu season. The words were very flexible and very interpretive. And it used to, the previous definition involved um, the words significant um, mortality to, in order for a pandemic to occur. And those words were taken out of the definition. I think it's in 2008. Um, and so that means basically that a pandemic can just be a group of sick people, which is pretty vague. Um, so that's the first thing of concern because now we're not calling it a spade a spade you know we're basically calling it something else um yeah. and so anyway at, at that point i was just kind of like is enough people sick and enough people dying and then as time ticks on especially here in melbourne australia or all of australia so melbourne was the most locked down which they say is why we had such a good experience the rest of australia wasn't their experience was better <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah for me it was like I don't. I, all Melbourne is where the Australian Open takes place, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that is the place of the tennis tournament. Okay. Yeah, totally. Uh, where they had the tennis and had nobody in the crowds. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And and he, even the best player in the world wasn't allowed to step foot in because he refused to get the vaccine. So yeah. props to him. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, even Wimbledon, he won't be at Wimbledon on Monday or well, today is Monday. Right now is Wimbledon, and he is not there because he refuses to get the vaccine. Yeah, good, good on him. him, like, for standing his ground and putting his mm -hmm. ego to win aside. Like, that's powerful. Well, and here... They Best had... player in the world in the now and in history. Like, he refuses to join. Well, here they had... Um, they, there was big protest. Is he... Correct me if I'm wrong. Novak Djokovic. He's Slovakia. Slovakia. Slo yeah. Yeah. So there was massive protests outside the hotel that he was in um, with, like, just a sea of flags from, I guess, Slovakia. Um, and like, it, it just got no airtime on the news at all. Um, and they were just like a couple of hundred people. Um, and it was like thousands and thousands. And I've been to a bunch of protests where I've Wanting been, him in? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, supporting. Yeah, like okay. trying to, yeah. Supporting him, yeah, trying to get him in, okay. Yeah, it was all of the same people that I knew and had met at protests against these mandates. And, and that's yeah. the thing too that I think is different is that, um, the people that are, feel uncomfortable about this stuff are against it. We're actually not anti-vax at all. We're just like, let me decide for myself and you do whatever yes. you want. The other side is not just pro-vax. They're, they're like, let's force vaccines into everybody. So it's like they look at us as the crazy ones, but it's like I think you're more tyrannical than we'll ever be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? All I'm about. Yeah, we're is just saying we're just choice. saying. All I want is I just want a choice. That's all. Give me yeah. a choice. Yeah. And where that's been taken and removed from the world for the last two years. Yeah. And it's those of us again, just like yourself, 
wait a second. Now you're going to have to shut. You're forcing me to shut up. You're forcing me to not live my life, to lose my job. And the way I put food on the plate, on my kids' plates, because you're making me, you're eliminating my choice. Yeah. Well, here in Victoria, um, just recently, so the mandates that are still progressively being removed, and I think it's teachers and, and hospitals still have mandates, but the day that everything opened up, two and a half thousand teachers in, in my state lost their job because they hadn't had the third vaccine. And so we've got a lot of like really weird scenarios like that where it's like we seem to make progress, progression out of the problem <laughs> that's been around, but a heap of people lose their jobs because, yeah, there's this situation. And so we've got, they're like, hospitals are overrun. Oh, my God, it's crazy. And it's like, well, maybe the 4,000 nurses that you just fired could be pretty useful and your hospital wouldn't feel overrun. Uh, you know, and, well, and, and the, the funny thing about overrun hospitals is a lot of the stuff on the media um, was like, yeah, hospitals are overrun and they'd interview nurses and doctors that are like, yeah, we're ready for a capacity of 2,000 patients a day. It's going to be crazy. And, and the other thing is during this time, people's ego got real, like doctors and nurses were like, oh, this is my time to shine. Like I got to be on the news. And so they, that, that means that their ego attaches to the story even more. And in 2020, so all of 2020, I remember sitting in a meeting just before I resigned in in December um, and no one, no doctor in the room, including myself, uh, knew anybody that had had COVID. Not only did none of us know people out in the world, in Melbourne's biggest hospital, nobody knew someone that had COVID and everyone was just talking like, I was was mind blown because everyone was like, you know, it's really scary that COVID's out there. And I literally just said, has anybody treated anyone with COVID? (laughs) And everyone's like, oh, no, but I've heard of a brother's friend's sister. And I'm like, we're in the biggest hospital a year deep into this pandemic and nobody knows anybody with COVID. And and I didn't know anyone until COVID until mid-2021. And so, and that was the same, like, slowly started, See, people started getting it, but it was very Here, it's the testing. The testing is such BS. Mm-hmm. That I tell people, like, you could flip a coin and they could say, oh, well, you have COVID. Again, yeah. no testing, no PCR test has identified the freaking virus. Totally. You can't separate it from it. So what are they testing? Well, What were they yeah. testing? Because they were now out of it. Thank heavens. Um, but <laughs> it was like the status, at least here in the States. I had COVID. I have COVID. Like it's like the status to be able to say, oh, yeah, you have it. Now you've overcome it. And in my household... My husband and I are different. We probably would go very long, get well with, get along very well with you. <laughs> we get, we get sick, and he's like, "Oh, I swear I have COVID." I said, I, and I would say, "I don't give crap, crap what you think <laughs> totally. you <might> have. <laughs> I am not shutting my life down for two weeks because heaven forbid I have a little cough. I don't even care if you want to call it COVID if that even thing exists. <laughs> like that's now just it's like the status to say, yeah, I had it. Well, and, and the thing and too, I like, just refuse to even give it any credit. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. Like, and I got um, I got a little bit sick for a week recently for the first time in years because the first few years in the hospital, I got really sick almost once a year because something would finally get into my system, and then basically it made me bulletproof. I didn't get I haven't been sick for years thanks to the exposure in the hospital, 
And I got sick just recently and all of my friends that know, you know, where I, how I feel about this were like, oh, has Maddie Lansdowne got COVID? Do a test, do a test, do a test. Like, um, and I was, yeah, I was sick for a week and I was like, I have been wiped out for weeks from stuff that I picked up at the hospital, um, you know, like, like really wiped out. And this, I was like, maybe three or four days, I was a bit like, I don't want to do anything. Um, but yeah, I've had, I've had so many worse scenarios, which, you know, in my experience is not going to be everybody's experience. Maybe COVID is th- their worst experience and that's okay. But again, not many people are dying. The elderly, the severely sick and obese, that's the same group of people that die no matter what infection they get, you know? And so it's the vulnerable that get sick from anything. Uh, and we and the reason those numbers might go up in my opinion is because, um, we're, we're neglecting the fact that in 2022, we've got more overweight people, more people with terrible diets, more people that are dying younger. And we're saying, oh, this virus is killing more people. And I'm like, hang on, the people that it's killing are the vulnerable. And that group of people is growing significantly due, due to the, the food industry, the toxins we're exposed to in this world, the stress that we run our lives on in 2022. The last few decades have been absolutely catastrophic to the biological system. Uh, from from a food perspective and, you know, sugar and vegetable oil. It's now strange to be the skinny friend. Do you know what I mean? That's a, that's a healthy body weight. 40 years ago, it was strange to have an overweight friend. Um, and so, you know, the, the numbers might be very different if this happened in the 70s because everybody was a healthy body weight and had low inflammation and, and that type of thing. And the other thing is that really is a red flag for me is that flu numbers, like the actual flu, um, went to zero literally went to zero and our health minister was quizzed on it and he was like how fantastic the flu's gone to zero and then you look at the COVID numbers and they're on par or in the ballpark of normal flu numbers so it's like is this a rebranding event to get a new vaccine because soon sooner or later the COVID and the flu vaccine will come as one shot right they've even started advertising them on our news here as the super shot get your super shot you'll only have to get one um and it's it's a concoction of vaccines um, and so, which is, is a, scary. That's scary because totally. you can't, you don't have research to back up concoctions. Yeah, exactly. So I think all these things are majorly concerning. Um, and the more that we take the capacity for the immune system to practice being an immune system, the weaker the human body gets. We need it to be stimulated. We need to get sick. We need to fight these infections naturally. Because the other thing is, even let's say you know a vaccine is perfectly healthy and amazing. Just simply putting a needle in your arm, that like you would, that's not how you would receive it. You haven't trained your nasal passage to have its immune response um, and to do the things that it needs to do or your lungs. Um, and so even the, the method of consumption of that particular thing is, is not totally accurate. You don't get a, you know, a cold because you've, you've got a needle in your arm. You know, it doesn't go into your bicep type thing. So there's lots of reasons why it's not helpful, which is not me saying that vaccines are a bad idea. It's just that I don't think a COVID vaccine is necessary for virtually anyone. <laughs> well, especially if it doesn't even exist. I was thinking about this last night. And I'm glad we have this conversation because I've, I've sort of, wait, sort of, you know, gone away from this topic. I just didn't want to be that another person talking about it on this podcast. And I shared one episode probably a year ago and when I found it, it's like, okay, fine, I've had enough. This is my opinion of it. This is my view. And I had more people thank me for that. I don't even think I had one negative response from it. 
and so much popular popularity from from it and i looking back in the history books thinking you know in 30 or 40 50 60 years what's going to be said about 2020 and 2021 in the history books and a lot of it will depend on who writes it if you write it or i write it all i need is two letters bs <laughs> but if someone else writes it who's bought into the fear mechanism mm. that's going to be a different story well, I remember I heard a quote years ago, which kind of melted my brain uh, when I, you know, because I'm really interested in history. And I think understanding history is, is how we actually make positive movement forward. And one of the things that humans are not very good at is remembering history, uh, because a lot of things repeat. And I think we, a lot of people have an arrogance about the fact I'm alive now. So this must be the best time to be alive. And nobody's ever been smarter. And that's another thing I realized that working in uh, the cancer hospital is that I got to a point where I realized no knowledge isn't linear. We assume that just because we've been around longer, that we know more than you know all the cultures before us that ever existed. Um, and I think, yeah, in a situation where we forget history, we are we're likely to repeat it. But this quote that I was told was that history is what the winners wrote, and that melted my brain because I'm like every war that's ever happened or ever any uh, empire that's ever existed the history books that were written were just their perspective. And that's exactly what will happen here. The pharmaceutical companies, Bill Gates and all these mates, they're going to be the ones to write the history books, right? So they'll just keep instilling the fear in us all. Yeah. Yeah. All totally. right, y'all. <laughs> Maddie can be found at MaddieLandsdown.com. But also, as you can keep listening to him on his brilliant podcast, How to Not Get Sick and Die, uh, on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, Maddie, I do have one question for you. This is more for practitioners. Mm -hmm. If you were to lose everything, like your practice, uh, but still have the knowledge in your head, what would you do differently in your chapter one? From a business perspective? From a business perspective. Oh, I, I already tell people this all the time that are like, oh, I've got a new health coaching certification or I want to start a business. I would stay as far away as I can from social media and I would go straight to advertising. The reality is the algorithm is designed to work against you. These platforms work because like when, when a platform is free, you are the commodity. So make the platform not free so you can get the best of it. So if you pay to play, that's the reason Facebook exists, TikTok exists, because they get money from advertisers. So advertisers like us are the people that they really want in order to run their, you know, monstrous corporations. So I would, and the other thing is the algorithm changes all the time. You get no data on that. That's behind the scenes. Whenever you run an ad, you get extremely detailed amounts of data so you can see where your pipeline's not working, where it is working, because a lot of people think, oh, you know, like if you put a post up, the post wasn't very good. Maybe it just didn't land in the right people's lap. Whereas when you've got an ad and you put that same post up, for instance, you might see that it is reaching the right people, but they're not engaging with it or that it's not converting or the cost of, you know, your lead or your acquisition cost. Like it's, I just think I would from day one master advertising because I've spent plenty of money trying to pay coaches and different people to help me with like social media organically only for it all to change within the next six to 12 months. And advertising has and, been around And Google forever. SEO is the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I, so I had a colleague tell me, well, why don't you just fix your Google SEO? And I said, yeah, ask Dr. Axe about that. Yeah. <laughs> because Dr. Axe three, four years ago used to be the top person on 
every single health-related question. Now, because of the Google Analytics have changed, you don't get any of Dr. Axe unless you include him inside the title. So you're you're just, you're brilliant. And, and to think, you know, we're all like, let's get on social media, let's get on social No, that's a lot of time consumption. You and I were talking about this beforehand. Yeah. Like, I need someone, I need to pay someone to create the content for me. Or, or should I? Mm-hmm. Now that you got me thinking, or should I just go for the sponsored ads that I yeah. know are going to be guaranteed to get in front of people's eyes? Well, and the other thing about the ads is that instead of like talking to people on social media that don't really know they're going to be sold to by you, is that someone responds to an ad. They've literally said, I know I'm going to be sold to, please sell to me. <laughs> like it's the dynamic of the conversation is so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite platform to run ads on? Um, Facebook ads is where I'm at at the moment. Um, and that's because I've got a Facebook group um, that sort of looks after many of my people, which is called the Busy Mums Collective. So it's just the, the platform that's worked. And, and going back to what you said about the time consumption of being on social media, um, it's funny because when I got deplatformed from Instagram, there was like 24 hours of panic of like, oh, my God. I'm not on Instagram. People are going to think I'm a fraud. People are going to think I'm, I'm like going to scam no, that's, them. That's the brilliantness <laughs> is that you're not there because you've been kicked off, which means you're onto something. Well, after that first 24 hours, I was liberated. And ever since, I've felt no desire to, to download Instagram. Everyone says, are you going to do it again? And I'm like, no, I feel free. <laughs> this is great. So, yeah, and that's what I've been the last three months and because I've really just, really just turned off my social media. Mm-hmm. where I used to be on TikTok every flipping day and I'd have videos going viral and, you know, 60,000, 100,000, 500,000 million views on, on, in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. And it just became so much mm. and it consumed not only me, but then it consumed, you know, my relationship with my kids because now I'm having to answer, respond to comments on while I'm sitting at the park with them and not actually being with them, those things like yeah. that. So I, I like gave myself mental permission to not go onto the social media as far as content production. Cause it's just a, a rabbit hole to run down. Joe Rogan famously doesn't look at comments. Like everybody knows that about Joe Rogan, you know, and he doesn't yeah. care. He's just like, I prefer my happiness. <laughs> yeah. And I tell people, a lot of practitioners are like, hey, I want to get on TikTok. And I just say, be careful because people on TikTok are ruthless. Mm. They don't care who you are. They don't care what they're going to say. They're just going to say it. Yeah. And so if you don't have thick skin, don't get on there. <laughs> totally. so one, you create your content and then you just let it go. You let it do its thing. And mm-hmm. people who re- resonate with you will come to you and work with you in, in other ways. Um, but I feel like you just gave me permission to not do social media and to focus more on my time and my energy yes. on an ad where I've reached that platform now. And I hired one of the best ad coaches in the world, mm-hmm. um, Rudy Moore. He's out of, he's actually Australian. I don't know if you've heard him. No, I haven't. Um, he's from Australia. He now resides in Florida, mm-hmm. but he has that same accent too, which I love. <laughs> and, uh, so I hired him to run my Facebook ads and we haven't started yet because he's brilliant too, because he's like, I'm not going to run a Facebook ad for you and promise all this backend stuff. If I know your backend sucks. Yeah, absolutely. So now he goes through the funnel and we do copy and we create, you know, we go through the entire back chain before we even get to the ads, which we're about to do. So yeah, talking to genius. you just made me even more excited. 
Yeah, that's the way to do it. Because, uh, yeah, of course an ad's not the silver bullet, but I just think, you know, if you learn ads, which will take time and it'll take a little bit of money, but... And it all... might take someone an, an expertise. Like, I'm not... Yeah. I, I would say before the iOS changes, the 14 changes, you could run an ad. Like, I could r jump on and I could throw $500 in an ad or whatever, and it would be fine. But now I now it scares me and I'm like, Oh, I need to I need to find someone who really knows this. Yeah, totally. So I can maximize the dollar kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You obviously run that ad for yourself and you know, all that stuff. Yeah, totally. I would say I'm still in the learning phase, but it's just, yeah, it's just the type of people that you attract. It's just people that have responded. They've given permission for communication um, and obviously there's different types of ads, right? There's like download my free PDF or there's like really direct, which is like, this is my offering. Do you want to buy it? Um, and I, I kind of prefer those because <laughs> even though it's a harder sell, like the people that respond to that ad are like, I know what you're offering and I know how much it is and sign me up. And I'm like, I like those people. <laughs> yeah, you do. And, and Rudy's was the same way. This is how I got connected with him. Mm -hmm. This is for all your practitioners listening. Um, some of the business stuff that uh, Maddie and I do the his Facebook ad I swear was always in my, every time I pulled up Facebook which is like the only platform I'm on personally um, from a personal standpoint it's always in my feed and so mm -hmm. I just had that you know like gut feeling like you need to click on this you need to and I, so I clicked on it and I got out and didn't do anything because it was a paid thing like you had to do $97 mm -hmm. done for you funnel kind of thing yeah yeah and I clicked on it again two weeks later. Like, I just got that feeling. You need to do this. Okay, so I click it. $97 turned into 60000 in one phone call. Oh. <laughs> See? The Huge. ads you're running are the exact ads he's running. But the reason why is because I wanted the results. I didn't want to pay for, like, yeah. you know, a couple hundred dollar services or just to get kind of minuscule results. No, I want the results. So I'm going to go all in. And I encourage you practitioners to think, you know, instead of meeting your patients at the level that you're, that they're wanting to come in and pay, you know, the $300 or the, just get, I just want supplements. No, force them to level up. Mm -hmm. And if they really want the results, get them in that ultimate package where they're going to get the results. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's my two piece. I Seconds. like it. <laughs> Go follow Maddie on his podcast. Um, it's called How to Not Get Sick and Die. Um, go to his website, Maddie Lansdown, M-A-T-T-Y-L-A-N-S-D-O-W-N.com. Thank you so much, Maddie. I'm going to go follow your podcast right now, actually. I don't know why I haven't done that, but I, I haven't yet. Yeah, you're on it. You're on it. <laughs> I know. I know. So I'm going to go follow it right now. Thank you. Thanks, Kylie. November 18th, that's the day the podcast contest ends. You need to join it. To join that podcast, this podcast contest, all you have to do is subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And then jump over to the link in the show notes and let us know you did that by sharing some information. There will be 15 people who will get a signed copy of my book headed to them in, at their house and one grand prize winner who will be a practitioner who can come join our final Master Bloodwork live event on December 13th with a twist this time on December 14th. So block out the dates 1 to 5.30 p.m. Eastern both days 
We'll do all the blood work on the 13th. We'll have a Q&A on the 14th. And then we're going to sit down for two hours together and map out our plan for 2023. It's going to be powerful. Nine hours total. Come join me. December 13th and December 14th. One grand prize winner. Everybody else, you can still come. Let's do this. Why? We're in this together. If you haven't started using a the supplement company systemic formulas and my biome in your practice, you need to. If you're someone who just wants to take incredible supplements, these are your things. In fact, I only recommend the best because you're wasting money if you're not. Usually they're junk and you're not going to get anywhere if they're not really good quality supplements. Systemic Formulas and My Biome will give you everything you need. Go visit their website at systemicformulas.com and My Biome, M-Y-B-Y-O-M-E. Visit their website. If you are a practitioner, come join me inside their private Facebook group for practitioners called Systemic Formulas Clinical Nutrition. And don't forget, In This Together Live with me is happening February 20th, 21st, and 22nd of next year in Orlando, Florida. You can now register, get the special early bird pricing, and get the link to do that below. And I'll see you live and in person. And I'll probably give you the biggest hug in the world. February 20th, 21st, and 22nd, Orlando, Florida. See you in a few months.